Hi, my name is Greg, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And I have a special guest today. I mean, a really special guest today. His name is Luke. Luke Tucker. Hi, Luke. Want to say hi to me? Hi. <laughs> and Luke, when I was uh, a couple years ago, I was in the hospital and was sick, and Luke prayed for me. And every Sunday, if I wasn't here, he'd ask his mom if I was okay. And then when he would see me, he'd say, hey, I'm Luke. I've been praying for you. And I'd get a big hug. So it's good to be sitting here with my friend Luke. One of the things that we want you to know about this church is it is a great place to get connected. There is an opportunity for everyone to experience community here. So if you are here in person and you came through our doors, we would ask you to do something for us. One of the first steps of getting connected is filling out a connection card. So if you would go to the welcome desk, if you haven't already done so, and fill out a card, we'd really be grateful. In fact, we have a gift for you for doing so. But maybe you're watching online. We're glad that you joined us as well. But you'll see the word uh, connect there on the screen. If you'll just click it, uh, we'll be getting in touch with you. And again, thanks for joining us today. Now, one of the other ways that you can get connected here at Christ Community Church is by volunteering for a variety of ministry opportunities that we have. One of the areas that we really are sure right now uh, for volunteers is in our Kid City Ministry. Now, coming up in the first weekend of May, we're going to open up our 1030 service to children who are walkers up through the third grade. We're excited about doing that. But one of the things we're going to need is we're going to need more adult volunteers. So if you have a passion for kids and are willing to serve once or twice a month, that would just be great. You can either drop by uh, during the week at the offices or you can get give us a phone call. Uh, we will get you connected. Now, this is my friend Luke, and Luke has got some things to share with us. Hey, everyone. Join us on May 1st, anytime from 10 a.m., to noon to celebrate 20 years of Kingdom Kids Preschool and wrapping up our fundraiser. Current and past staff will be on site to greet families, hand out treats, and share in the fun. Come enjoy the smiles, goodie bags, jolly jumps inflatables, and Flapdoodles ice cream. Mmm, Flapdoodles. I should have that. That's awesome. We hope you can join us. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> that was awesome. You were awesome. We should do this every week, you and me. Yeah, you got to talk in the mic. You, we should do this every week, and then we could eat candy. Yeah, technically. <laughs> we shall eat should. Now, thanks for joining us, and now let's get our hearts ready for worship. Would you please stand? excited that you're here tonight. We're going to sing, we're going to worship and proclaim who our God is. Because it is through grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone that we proclaim the goodness of God. Who breaks the
God, it is by your grace that we may come. And it is by your power and your might upon the cross that you proclaim victory. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Yes, my God will never fail. Sing it out with me. Yes, my God will never fail. Cause I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord, yes. Cause I'm gonna see a victory. Yes, I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord, yeah. There's power. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will win. So I'm not backing down from any giant. Cause I know how this story ends. Jesus! Cause I know how this story ends.
we cheer and we clap because of your greatness. It is by your might and by your power that we stand in victory. In Christ alone we proclaim. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled and striving cease.
able to proclaim his goodness, his power, and his might. Do you agree with me, church? Do you agree with me? And there will be a day, there will be a day when some of us who are feeling weighed down, wishing that we could breathe hope, day that when we are so lost in the midst of the chaos of life and what is to believe and what is truth, that our truth is found in the rock of Jesus who cannot be moved so that we can proclaim till he reigns, God, that when you return or call me home, here in Christ we will stand. So God, we give you glory, we give you honor and praise because you are worthy of it, God. And we thank you that in Ephesians you say that it is by the grace of God, through the faith of us believing in the goodness of God and in Christ alone and nothing else, we have salvation evermore and a victory and a freedom. So tonight, if you are looking for a freedom, if you're looking for victory in your life in anything, it is found in the work and the power of Christ on that cross and in the grave which he rolled away, walked out and said, I'm victorious and those who call on my name are victorious. So may we worship our God tonight and we sing to you in Christ alone, our hope is found. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So greetings, Christ Community Church. How's everybody doing? You good? <laughs> I greet you guys who are part of our online church as well. We're so, we're so thankful to be together this weekend. My name's Daryl Holden. If we haven't met, um, it's my privilege to be with you. So it's been great to be in worship today. And thanks for participating with us. Uh, so I'll just tell you a little story. Something happened to me back in February. Um, I was... I was on a call, ministry call, for um, a missions organization I'm part of. And I knew going into it, it was probably gonna be a difficult call, and boy, it was, it was a difficult call. And so as, I, um, as we logged off and closed my computer, I was putting it back in my bag. I was kinda, I was, I don't know, I was disappointed and a little bit frustrated in how the call went, but was you know, kind of expecting that. And, and by the time I put my, computer away and as I was walking out of the room because I was in I was in bedroom on the call and our family was out in the living room and so I was going out to be with them and as I as I was kind of walking out of there all of a sudden where I had just been feeling a little bit of disappointment and frustration I was I just got really sad I mean just like just this this wave of just like this emotional spiritual wave of sadness kind of washed over me, and, and then there was not just a little frustration, but a lot of frustration just hit me, and, and fear, and for our organization, and for the missionaries, and for, so I had, this, I had this fear that just welled up inside of me, and then pressure, like there was, there was this, this voice that was saying, hey, this is all your fault, and it's all on you to fix it. And so I was, I was feeling all this, this weight and this guilt and this pressure. And my initial plan was just to, like I'm just gonna paste the smile on my face and walk out to the living room to be with my family. But man, I didn't even have that in me. And so I just, I was, I just sat down in the dining room in the dark at the dining room table. I didn't even wanna turn on the light. I just sat down at the dining room table in the dark. And what had happened is just, Five or six steps, just the time it takes to walk five or six steps. I went from, that was a hard call, we have a lot of work to do, to there is no hope. 
and it's my, it's my fault. And, and so I just, I sat there, I sat down in the dark, really just, just to take a breath and to ask the Lord to help me. And, and he did, he, he helped me. And he always helps. He always comes to help in circumstances like that. And, and we're, in this, we're in this series, we're calling What If He Does? And the point of this whole thing is to look at different promises that God has made to us and to imagine what our lives could be like if, if we really believed and if we were committed to this idea that God is faithful, he shows up, he does what he says he will do. And so today, I wanna, I wanna spend a little bit of time talking about a promise. It's, it's a statement, but it's like it's made with the force of a promise. It's recorded for us in First um, John chapter four, and really the baseline of all of this is the statement is, is the spirit who is, who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So I wanna talk with you about what we do in those moments where there is just spiritual opposition and where, where our enemy comes against us. So if you've got a Bible, if you turn with me to 1 John chapter four, and we're gonna, we're gonna read through the first four verses of this chapter, and then I'm gonna walk you through a few truth statements that come out of this. And there's, a, there's an illustration that's in the book of Acts that I wanna, wanna share with you and then we'll, we'll spend some time praying together, right? So, so listen, this is the Apostle John. He's an old guy at this point. He's, he's followed Jesus, he's been faithful in his ministry and he's writing to a church that has been through the ringer spiritually and so he, it's kind of coming to the end of his letter, but he says this, he says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So I don't know your worldview, but I read that little thing at the top, that first sentence, don't believe every spirit, but, but test them to see whether they are from God. So, so John's writing into an ancient church that had different people coming in and through, and they had not yet collected the scriptures, and, and some guys said some things, and some guys said other things, and so there was this, like, we gotta figure out who's speaking for the Lord in this. And, and what he sets up is, I've got, I've got three different little truth statements that come out of the Bible, so, so the first thing that he sets up for us in this little paragraph that we just read is that there are spirit beings who can have influence on and over human beings. So that, that's just the, that from the Bible's, like what the Bible teaches is that you and I live in this material reality and there's a lot of things that we can see and touch, but there are also, there's a lot going on that we can't see or touch there's the spirit world, and the Bible actually teaches us that there are spirit beings who can have influence on and over 
human beings. So, so we live our lives in a world that has stuff going on that we can see and stuff going on that we can't see. And what happens in that unseen world has influence on, on you and on me. It, we read here in these verses about how these spirit beings have influence on, on messages that are being passed on in spiritual sense. They have, they have influence on whether or not those messages are believed or received. I mean, there, there are, from the Bible's perspective, there are, there's this spiritual reality that you and I can't, we can't see it, but we are very much a part of it. And it, it has an impact on our reality. So that's, that's the first thing out of here. And if that sounds a little weird to you, I totally get that. I mean, if that's not something you've processed before, but the Bible doesn't even defend that perspective. It doesn't like, it just says it. It says it like, it's true. It's just a statement that there is a seen and an unseen world. Okay, and if that's scary to you, it's okay too. Um, hang with me. I think we'll do some things to alleviate your fear here as we go through. So second thing, when the Bible talks about spiritual beings, it's usually talking about either God the Holy Spirit, who's referenced in this passage that we just read, um, it's talking about angelic beings who are ministering spirits to the people of God, and that's from Hebrews chapter one, verse 14. That's one of the ways it refers to angels. Or it's talking about demonic beings, including Satan, who their goal and their MO is to steal, kill, and destroy, as Jesus points out about them and about the people that are mouthpiece for them in the Gospel of John Chapter 10, so there's this, this spirit realm that is very much a part of our world, even though we can't see it, and it is, the spirit realm is occupied by God the Holy Spirit, who is omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere, and then it is occupied by angelic beings and then demonic beings, including Satan. So just to... So I was thinking about that. Just one of the things I kind of noted is in this unseen world, again, from what the Bible talks about, um, there's, there's no people, the spirits of human beings. There's no, there's no, they don't inhabit that unseen world. Um, like whether this is for good or for, like for harm, there's, there's not a, a person that you know or who knew you who's, spiritually present in your world to help you along or to curse you or to haunt you or anything like that. And that, that just, from again, from the Bible's teaching, that's, that's not a part of the reality. This, this unseen world is spiritual beings who've been present since creation, like God created them as spiritual beings and they've inhabited the spiritual world. And then this third thing, the Bible calls Satan the ruler of the kingdom of the air, in Ephesians chapter two, and it likens him to a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then it also identifies demonic beings as rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So these, these demonic beings, including Satan, the Bible tells us that God, for his own reasons, for his own purposes, has allowed Satan 
authority and say so and power over the material world that you and I live in, that he's, he is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So, so where that boils down to for, for you and for me, if you're a Christian person, if you're a follower of Jesus, what this boils down to is we live in enemy territory. So you, so you and I go about our everyday life in a world that is under the dominion and authority of Satan, who is God's greatest enemy, and thus he is your greatest enemy too. Because what the people that God loves and the things that God is trying to do and build, Satan, Satan hates and he's trying to tear down and destroy. So, so you and I live in, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, living in the kingdom of, in the territory that is ruled by the kingdom of darkness, which is, like we feel that sometimes. Like you're, we're aware of that at different points, that we are, that we're, we're strangers here. Have you, have you ever felt that? Like just as a Christian person, you, you kind of look at, what's happening around you and it's like, man, this is, this is so cross with who I understand God to be and who he's made me to be and like the direction that we as followers of Jesus are trying to go, you, you look like we, we understand this, that we're, the explanation for that is, yeah, this is, we're, we're citizens of the kingdom of light living in the kingdom of darkness and so you and I get to be light in the dark. And that's always a battle. There's always push-pull going on for people who are in the light that God has given us his light and his life living in this, this place that is overseen by this prince of darkness. And now knowing that, that, that he is the ruler of this kingdom of the air, and you know, like, in Revelation, it refers to the, like this, the kingdom of this world. Um, he does not have unlimited authority. So just, like, Satan does not have unlimited authority, not over you and me as believers in Jesus, not over our friends and neighbors who have not yet met Jesus. He doesn't have unlimited authority. He has limited authority because God has given it to him for this particular time. And again, that's all, I don't understand all that, and I, can't, I can tell you what the Bible says about that. He does not have unlimited authority, but he does have authority, and so you and I are living in this world that is under the influence and control of Satan and his minions. And what that means is that you and I live in, there's this tension, push-pull, spiritual beings who have influence over human beings. So what kind of influence do they have, right? I mean, you gotta be thinking about, okay, if, if, you'll, if you'll go with me that there's actually a spiritual world that you can't see and um, that there are spirits who are of God, from God, and there are spirits who are opposed to him and the dividing line in all of that and the verses that we just read is Jesus and, and how they relate to Jesus. So, so what does... What influence or what kind of, like, how does that look for people who are 
human beings who are influenced by and have influence on them from the spirit world. So the, there's one word that the Bible uses to, to describe what Satan and his minions do to people, and the word is demonize. He, he, is, he has the ability to influence and we often, especially in theological circles, we'll draw some, we'll draw some distinguishing lines there, and, and maybe you've heard where it talks about you know, the difference between possession and oppression. And those aren't Bible words, those are theological terms that Bible scholars have come up with. The Bible uses just the one word for his influence, regardless of somebody's faith in Jesus. It, this, Satan has the ability to demonize people and, and how that rolls out is there really kind of three main activities that he engages in and these are broad categories and they look very different in each one of our lives. Um, he tempts us. He tempts us. And the kind of little words I've used there to explain that is what he does is he ramps up our natural desires for what is less than God's best for us. Because you can't, like every time, every time you, you succumb to temptation, your, your excuse is not, the, like you could say, you could be your excuse, but it's not a legitimate excuse. The devil made me do it. Like that's not, that's not legit. You don't get to shirk personal responsibility in that. But what he does is he knows you and he knows your temptations, and he knows your bent, and he knows your struggles. And when you are facing temptation, if, if temptation is just like a little, little fire burning inside of you, he's standing on the side of the bucket of gasoline, tossing it on there. So he's, like, he'll, he'll put you in situations or put situations in front of you that your natural desires kind of get stirred to walk away from God's best for you, and then he's he is throwing gas on that and cheering you to walk away. And you may, not, you may not know that you are having, like he's influencing you like that. So he's, he's a tempter, he tempts us. The second thing is he accuses. And he says things. And I'll tell you, like in my experience, what, I've, what I have learned over a number of years in my life since, since this stuff was taught to me and I've kind of been trying to pay attention is his voice sounds an awful lot like my voice in my head. So he makes these accusations, and just, again, the little words I've given you there, it, it's this manipulative attack on our new identity, on who we are in Jesus. He, he goes after your identity if he can convince you that you, are, that you are someone different than who God says you are. He's... Like he's gonna, and he manipulates you into that. He can, he can take you, he can take you places in your heart and your mind that they are not good places for you to go. It's interesting if you, um, if you look at Matthew chapter four when Satan is tempting Jesus. In two of the three temptations where he's tempting, he starts the whole thing off with, "If you are the Son of God." If you're the Son of God, and it's kind of this like, hey, if you're. If you're the son of God, and he goes after Jesus's identity, if, and if he could get him to, to walk away from who he was, or to begin like trying to defend that or act in a way, like he, 
And Jesus is on to him. You know, Jesus knows he's the son of God. He knows who he is. He's confident. He knows that he's, he's not vulnerable in that moment because Satan's attacking an identity that he really knew who he was. And so Satan makes these accusations against this. And I just was thinking about my little scenario I told you about back in February. I mean, just that idea that something that, that I'm on a call with about 14 other people, and these are all longtime friends, the people that I know and love. I mean, it's not, this isn't like we're new to each other trying to figure something out. For, for Satan to, for me to be thinking it's all my fault and it's all on me to fix it, that, that's, I know way better than that. But to be hearing that and feeling the weight of all of that, like he, I was on his hook there for a minute. And so he tempts, he accuses, and then he deceives. And, and what he does, he offers attractive lies for us to believe and act on. And when I say attractive, I don't mean, I don't mean like it's all, you know, roses and candy and like, you know, the bait and switch thing. When I say attractive, I just mean stuff that is, like, that is really plausible and that you will, like, bait you might take. He was, he'll say things to you that you are susceptible of believing. And, and so he, he offers these attractive lies for us to not only believe, but also to act on. And again, what we read here in 1 John chapter four, where it talks about, you know, don't believe every spirit, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Throughout the scriptures, one of Satan's primary weapons against people in general and the people of God is, is he lies to them, he deceives them. And he gets them believing through, through accusation, through failure and temptation. Man, if you fail in temptation, and then, boy, the, trying to tell you who you are and unwinding who God has said you, for, that you are who you are gonna be, and then he's deceiving you and got you believing something that's not true about yourself. He's got you walking down the path of steal, kill, and destroy. And so, so this, is how he, this is how he works. This is, this is the demonization. This is, this is what these evil spiritual forces that are around us, these are the three main three main tools that they use for God's people to get us going in a direction that is less than God's best for us. And I know I'm not the only person who's experienced it. In this room, those of you who are watching on video, I know I'm not the only person who's experienced this. We've all experienced things where, where maybe you're in it or maybe you're beyond it and you just kind of scratch your head and go like, how did I get here? And the reason you got there is not, we have an enemy. And he's against us, and he is, he is trying to take us someplace that, that we don't wanna go and that the Lord doesn't want us to go, but he has for us, he wants to take us to the slaughter. And, and so you and I have this enemy who tempts, accuses, and deceives us, and there's this, there's this illustration in the book of Acts of kind of what this looks like. And this is, um, this is early in the New Testament, after Jesus died, rose again, ascended to heaven. And so the church is very young, and people are figuring out what it means to live in community with each other and, and how all this is going, and there, there's this newness and there's excitement over, 
forgiveness that they have received and the gift of the Holy Spirit who's living inside of them and all kinds of amazing things are going on in that first church. And there are thousands and thousands of people, many of them, because they'd all come to Jerusalem for celebration and many of them, like when they put their trust in Jesus, they were from other places and so they were, they were hanging around in Jerusalem to be part of this new thing. And so, so these Christian people, these new Christians, the one who were from Jerusalem, they had taken it seriously that they were going, they, like it's on us to support these fellow believers in Jesus. And so people were, they were doing things like they were selling property that they owned and bringing the proceeds from those sales and they were, they were giving, the Bible says laying them at the apostles' feet which means they were just kind of turning that money over to the leadership of this new church to make sure that people who needed were being taken care of. And so in chapter five, verse one, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So Peter, who's the spokesperson for the apostles, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? And he goes, and didn't, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. So here, Ananias is, as this Christian guy, and the consequences for him for doing this, by the way, if you don't know this story, the consequences for him right after that little rebuke that Peter issues to him is he falls down dead. And then his wife comes in later and they're like, hey, did you, did you give all the money? And she says, yeah, we gave all the money. And she falls down dead. So, so what's happening here? Ananias is this Christian guy who decides to, I mean, what a generous thing. <laughs> he sells a piece of property and he's gonna support others who are in need with the proceeds of that and decides to keep some for himself but acts like, acts like he was given it all. And what Peter says to him in that little rebuke, that strong rebuke, he, he says to him, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And that is, that is an interesting question. How is it that Satan had filled his heart in such a way? That's how I would read that so there. How has Satan filled your heart in such a way that you you now think this is the right way to come in here and act like you're given it all. And, and then as we read a little farther down, it's like Satan, it sounds like Satan's getting, like deserves the blame there. That how is it that Satan has filled your heart? Well, bad Satan, right? But, but then, he says, then he says to him, it's like, you lied. What made you think of doing such a thing? And then the consequences for Ananias, like they, they all fell on him. I mean, he, he drops down dead because he's lied to the Holy Spirit. But Satan filled his heart in such a way 
that this was his path to behavior. As a Christian guy, he was, he was led down this path that ended in his physical death. Just kind of thinking about that. What would, I don't know, I'm guessing here because it's not in the text, but it, wouldn't it, okay, so we all like people to think things about us, right? So, so somewhere in there, he had the idea that I want people to think I'm generous and, you know, I'm caring and whatever. So I, so let's, we're gonna do this and, but there's greed. We all have greed in our hearts and so he's, we, I don't wanna give it all. We've got a lot more for that than what we thought we were gonna. So let's, you know, save some of it back for us to make sure that we're cared for. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in there, but, but he was, he was tempted. He was tempted and he succumbed to that temptation. He gave in to that temptation, and then he believed, he believed a bunch of lies. Because his heart was so, like his heart was filled. Satan had filled his heart with, with lies that led him to act. And I think that's like I think that's a that's a really good demonstration or illustration of of this activity, Satan, his minions on a person, people of God. He told him something that seemed pretty believable, and he piled on. And as he piled on, then he suggested maybe a course of action and. Next thing you know, he's, he's down the road standing in front of the apostles and lying to the Holy Spirit. I mean, what, he, he was a sheep led to slaughter. And so, so this is a real thing. It's all, all of that to say to you and to me as Christian people, um, we're vulnerable. You're vulnerable, I'm vulnerable. You've had moments where something has happened to you, like the moment that I had back in February, and I've had other moments like that where things happen, and it's just like I do not, I do not know, and I do not understand how how I got here, but here I stand. And if if we are unaware that we are living in a world where there is a spiritual reality, and part of that the authority. Like that first line authority in that spiritual reality has plans to kill, steal, and destroy. If we're unaware of that, then we can find ourselves walking down a path, believing things that are not true, headed to a place that is way less than God's best for us in the way that we live out our everyday life and the influence we have on the people who are around us. So going back to what, um, what John writes in 1 John chapter 4, He, he makes this statement after talking about, hey, there are these spirit beings. Some of them are not friendly to you and they will tell you lies and you need to be able to know who comes from where so that you know which spirit to believe. He makes this really cool statement at the end. Verse four, he says, you, dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is greater, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So in this 
this reality and the hope that is found for you and for me, like I think it's awesome news that I don't have to be smarter or more powerful or able to figure out what's going on in this spiritual reality. What God has done for me is he has gifted me the Holy Spirit. When you put your trust in Jesus as your savior, one of the things that happens for you is God the Holy Spirit comes to, he comes to take up residence in you. He doesn't just come on you, he's not just around you. He comes to live inside of you. And there's this, some theologians call it this mystical union that happens when God the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of God's people and he is for us, like he, greater is the one, the spirit who is in you than the spirit or spirits who are in the world. So you and I have this great and precious promise from God that we do not have to be blown around and we do not have to be like vulnerable and at risk and living in fear because there's this unseen world that frankly those beings they know us better than we know them and they have plans for us to harm us and not to prosper us. And so like, we don't have to live in fear of all of that. And when you are engaged, because they will engage you, when you are engaged in a spiritual battle, you have a promise from God and you have resources from God. Greater is the spirit of God who is in you than the spirit who is in the world. So you and I don't have to live, you do not have to live in fear of Satan and his minions. You do not have to live in submission to them. You do not have to obey his voice. You do not have to succumb to temptation. You do not have to receive the accusations that he makes against you. And you don't have to believe his lies. Because... Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The Bible tells us that the spirit of God living inside of us, there's this really interesting, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, this really interesting little description of the Holy Spirit living inside of you just as we have the mind of Christ. So the spirit of God who lives inside of us knows the mind of God and knows our heart and our mind and ministers all of that to us. Again, it's called a mystical union. So if you're asking me to detail it, I don't I can't explain that. I, the Bible says it and it's there, it's real. So, so the spirit of God lives inside of you and, and if you are listening to the spirit of God inside of you, he'll tell you, hey, um, you're being tempted right now. That's, that's an accusation that is, you don't have to receive that accusation, that's not from me. Um, that's a lie. He, he, will, he will tell you those things and he will lead you through that battle moment when your greatest enemy wants you to believe, receive, and follow him away from where the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I got you, I'm here. That's, you don't have to engage with all that because greater, greater is the spirit of God who lives in you than this, this spirit, little less spirit who's out in the world. So, so we're in this series and so this is the question. So if, if, what if this is true? You know, what if, what if this is true? What if, what if it's really true that the spirit of God living in you is greater than this 
spirit who is your great enemy, who tempts, accuses, and deceives, what if it's really true that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? So I've got a few things for us here. I'm just asking our question, what if he does? So here's the first thing in all that. There's always more going on than what I can see. There's always more going on than what I can see. I mean, like the spirit world is always in play. And if, you know, if we could just walk back to my little illustration there at the beginning of this thing, something happened in those five to six steps where I went from, wow, that was frustrating, we got a lot of work to do, to we need to just give up. Like, you should just give up. This, the darkness, the weight of all of it, just sit down in the dark here for a minute. There was something that happened in those five or six steps, and I'll own the part of it that is like, man, that was discouraging and that was, that was difficult, but there was, there was a wave of something else that happened. And just to know that there is a spirit world at work that I can't see, to be aware of that is a really important thing. When, when, you're fi- when you find yourself in a circumstance, it's like, I can't explain this. Or this is, wow, this is, I, the spirit world is always in play. If you got anger ramped up beyond what, can't figure out why I'm so angry or why I want to engage in, you name the behavior, why do I want this so bad? This, because the spirit world is in play and you have an enemy and he's, he is fully engaged with you. So, so the first thing is the spirit world is always in play. The second thing is we gotta be alert. We should always be alert but you don't have to be afraid. And I'm really grateful, because the Bible talks to us about 1 Peter chapter five, it says, you know, be alert, because your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion, prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. Alert, not afraid. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is prowling around, trying to devour you, you're vulnerable, but you are, you are not helpless. And so we're alert, aware, awake, paying attention, spiritually alive and feeling and asking and engaged because we got an enemy who would love to take us down. I should be alert, but I'm not afraid. And I listen to and learn from the spirit who is in me. It's really important. I've had a number of conversations this week about this idea. The Holy Spirit of God, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Like I cannot, I don't have words to describe what all that means for you. Let's just, well, I'm not just gonna say this because you know, you know me, I'm gonna talk a little longer than one sentence about this. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. The the mind of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the voice of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And his spirit talks to your spirit. He's, He's not there as, like he's not in some room of the inside of you that you don't have any access to. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. It's a gift to you to be able to live your life. The Bible uses several different images and talks to us about, let's walk by the Spirit. 
You know, let's, let's, let's live our life listening to and engaged with, empowered by God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's, let's be walking with Him. Let's do, let's listen to Him and go forward with Him and and to know that God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and greater is the Spirit who lives in you than those spirits who are in this world. You gotta be rightly related to, to God the Holy Spirit. And that rightly related to God the Holy Spirit is about learning from and listening to and being obedient to, to him and to his voice in cultivating your ears so that you can, your spiritual ears, so that you can hear what he has to say to you so that you can receive his encouragement, his comfort, his guidance, his deliverance, his victory. So we listen to and learn from the spirit who's in me. And then this fourth thing that I put down, and again, in all these, all these messages in this, what if he does, there's way more than four things. I'm just giving you four. This fourth thing the last verse that talks about this spirit who is greater, like you, dear children. So you just gotta know that, because there's, um, there's a lot of accusation and there is, there's a lot of uh, identity attack from the evil one. So, so let's just lean into this idea that we are dear children of God. Like you, dear children, are from God. You're from God. And it's not just about the spirits, the ones who are from God and the ones who are not from God, but, but you and I as children of God, we're from him. We're on his side. We're connected to Jesus. We are, we are of him. We're from him. And so we lean into this idea of, we're, dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them. Like you have overcome them because the spirit who is greater, who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So we lean into this idea of we are children. Don't let don't let the enemy tell you anything different than that. No matter what you've, what you've done or what you're in the process of doing, what you've believed, what you've held on to, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a child of God, you're a dear child of God, and you're from God. You're from God, you're not from the evil one, you're from God, and you overcome. You overcome. So I wanna wrap all this up. I wanna wrap all this up today. I think if we take a minute and just kind of let ourselves listen to God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. I'm, I'm thinking that we're believing some lies. I'm thinking that we're listening to some accusations. I'm thinking that we are, we're, we're on the hook. Some areas of our life, I think we're on the hook. So what we wanna offer to you is I'm gonna pray and I'm just gonna pray that, that you'd have ears to hear what God the Holy Spirit would be saying to you. And then after I pray, Becky and Brenda are gonna lead us in, in some singing and what, this could be a freedom moment for you. If there's, if that temptation, that accusation, that deception thing, wherever that's playing out in your life, God is faithful to rescue his children. And if you'll, if you'll acknowledge that, own that, and ask him for help, he will come to help you.
if, if, you want, if you want to be rescued, he is your rescuer. He's, he's come to rescue us. And, and if you'll ask for and receive, you, you could know by experience, not just by what we read and talk about, but you could actually know by experience in your own life, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Heavenly Father, you have gifted your spirit to us. And we believe, we believe this statement, that he is greater than the spirit who has that goal of kill, steal, and destroy our lives. So I'm asking you in this moment that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to understand. Temptation, accusation, deception, stuff we've been saying yes to that is not of you, the lies we've been believing that are not from you, the, the particular way in which the enemy of our souls has been filling our hearts with lies. I pray that you would expose that these next couple of moments and that you would speak into and you would speak over that. Could this be a freedom moment for us? The, the spirit who's in the world wants to enslave and you, you desire us to be free. So I'm asking for myself and again for my friends that by your spirit we would be, we would be set free. And Jesus, this is all from you and of you and because of you. So we're praying this in your name, amen.
Holy Father, greater are you that is in us than he who is in the world. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever you reign. God, when your son hung on that cross, you ripped the curtain top to bottom. You did something no one could do. And God, in this moment, we acknowledge your power. We acknowledge the fact that sometimes we stray from your voice, but we wanna hear your voice. Open our ears, open our hearts to hear more from you and to see more of you. That is our desire tonight. Thank you for who you are. In your holy, powerful, precious name, we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us, either online or in person. If you're in person, please wait for an usher to, to dismiss you. Otherwise, have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for being here.